Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. God bless you, Hussein. God bless you, Apostle. How are you? Great, great. Before the call comes on, uh, whose car are we driving? Because if I'm driving my car, I'm going to get an oil change. Uh, well, we can take the take the uh, Honda, because I just had an oil change done on that last week. So we can take that. It's good on gas, huh? Yeah. It was, it's pretty good on gas. Okay, we can talk about it. I think it's, it's 8 o'clock now. And okay. Uh, you and I are the only ones on the call so far. Oh, okay. Uh, that's not true. Prophet Bihadi is coming on. Oh, okay. Uh, we thank God for the um, Apostles Roundtable tonight. And... Um, I'll wait for Prophet Bahati maybe to call in. She can hear us. Elder Shane, please um, uh, give God thanksgiving and, and praise, and, and, and please pray. All right. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you, we praise you, we bless your holy name. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather once again before you, and we ask that everything that we say and do tonight will bring you glory and honor. Lord, we just lift this evening's call up to you that you would be blessed by it and that we would be blessed as well. Lord, we just thank you. We praise you. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Uh, thank you, uh, sir, and um, thank God for you, uh, Prophet uh, Bahati, uh, on the call. God bless you. God bless you, Apostle. How are you today? Oh, you know what? It started out kind of rough, but it's ending up kind of glorious, so I'm not going to complain. <laughs> Amen. The Lord is faithful, isn't he? Every time. And uh, uh, the Bible says he heals us from all our diseases. Amen. He's a good God. Yes, he is. And we appreciate him, and we thank the Lord, amen, for uh, uh, we who are on the uh, Apostles' Roundtable tonight, thank you for your continued uh, support. We are um, here tonight. Uh, some are coming on. Some. Um, I'm going to talk about something. Um, I, I'm really not going to talk about it, but Prophet uh, Prophet Paula Cole is going to come on in a few moments, and um, she's going to share something. Uh, uh, with us. Uh, Elder Shank, uh, you remember last night when we were in uh, class and Pastor yes. Bauman came? Yes. And we were talking. Uh, I can't remember this uh, how we got there, but we were discussing 
cultural relations, I'll just say cultural relations in uh, the body of Christ, and of course, uh, you know, racism in the uh, in the world. Do you recall mm-hmm. us discussing that? Yes, I do. Something interesting happened today, uh, Saints, um, and that is that Pastor Bauman called me and wanted me to speak in July at something called a um, Cleveland campground. And the intent of the uh, uh, gathering that she's going to uh, have has to do to promote unity in Cleveland and that and um, in revival, so you know unity. And she's uh, asked uh, various mixture of male and female, uh, black and white, to uh, come and uh, speak uh, there. So it's going to be a, you know mixture of cultures. And as I said last night uh, in class, that. Um, there's only one one race upon in the in humanity. There's one race upon the whole earth. Uh, there are different cultures. Uh, you know, there are people from different nations, different languages, and whatever. But uh, simply one race is, and you know, people call it the human race. And certainly, uh, in the body of Christ, uh, there's one people. And, of course, the founder and he who has given us birth in this uh, new nation is our Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, there remains issues in the world, you know, issues in various cities, and there are issues uh, that still remain in um, in the church, uh, in the church uh, community, in the church world, uh, in the body of Christ. And sometimes we have uh, faced uh, those things. Um, the prophet code's not on yet, so let me just share this. You know, um, when I was growing up here in Cleveland, I used to, uh, I went to Cleveland State University, and I took this uh, religious class, and this uh, teach, this instructor, this professor, there was a class and I don't remember exactly the name of it, but it had to do with the black church. And uh, it's unfortunate that people uh, think in terms of uh, the church having a a color in front of it, Hispanic church, black church, white church, Asian church, and so on and so forth. I guess they're trying to denote uh, the culture that exists there. But I think what's more appropriate, what may be more accurate is the fact that a church, uh, a gathering of people, ought to reflect the community that it serves. It should not uh, be of one culture. It should uh, reach out to uh, gather in for equipping and preparation and service and worship of the community that it reflects. And so um, we have a man in America, for example, all kinds of different churches, and people don't uh, fellowship, don't communicate, and God is breaking down those. Um, he's breaking down those barriers. Those barriers are coming down. And so, um, you know, this is kind of what we're going to be discussing tonight. Uh, 
So before she comes on, and she's not logged in yet, anybody want to share anything uh, concerning what I've just said? Yeah. The the need for people to put black or white or Asian or what have you in front of the church, oftentimes people gather together specifically so that they'll be comfortable with the people around them. And they... uh, tend to gravitate towards towards groups that they feel comfortable with. Now, myself, I've never felt uncomfortable. So it, it's relatively easy for me to uh, fellowship where I've been fellowshipping for the last 30 years. Yes. So... I've made some good friends, you being one of them, that uh, we've had long-term relationship, which uh, transcends uh, a race or cultural or anything of that nature. Sometimes... Sometimes we feel the need to just be with people who are like us for the purpose of feeling comfortable, I guess. Yes. I I can't think of uh, any time that I've been not welcome, and uh, so so I've felt comfortable uh, in every place I've been. Amen. That's a great testimony to the uh, God we serve and yeah. your heart. Anything else, uh, sir, and uh, and or Prophet Bahadi? Yes, uh, I would just like to say that I understand that growing up uh, as a young woman in our community, we had a, a culturally and ethnically a diverse community. So we had, you know, uh, everyone we associated, like we had the Holiness Church, we had the Baptist Church, the Catholic Church, and we had our Native Americans, and we all associated with, the, with each other on a regular basis. And so um, it, it was really not an issue well, there was a lot of segregation and racism actually going on, but at the time, I don't know if the elderly or the older people really realized that there was segregation, but we as children, myself, I know, I really didn't think of it at the time that it was segregation until actually I got older and started doing a little bit of studying about it. Then I realized that there was a lot of segregation going on, but I know in the church, for instance, we always were, uh, always, you know, we had uh, participation with other ethnic groups, uh, especially with the Native Americans, we really participated a lot with them. Uh, as a young lady, I used to go, you know, to the Catholic church a lot. The youth, the, the youth ceremonies and the youth ministry, they uh, had a lot of things for you know, the young people there in the Catholic church. So I was exposed to that a lot. And 
the Baptist and the Holiness Church, we all we all just kind of came together. But now that I think about it, we really didn't associate too much with the LDS. We didn't associate with, with the who? Latter Day Saints LDS. Okay. Okay. We really didn't associate a lot with everyone else. Was sort of like the the more the uh, Catholic and the Baptist and the Pentecostals. We were kind of all you know the Methodists. We all kind of like uh, associated with uh, with each other. But now that I'm sitting here thinking about it. I don't never recall a time when, matter of fact, when I ever went to an LDS service or even went to an LDS uh, church or whatever they call them. Uh, I don't remember ever uh, having gone to any of that, although I do have family members now that are Mormons. But uh, I know it's very important and very crucial because, you know, I think every ethnic group, everyone has something to bring to the table. I once heard a sermon, and they were just talking about the different uh, um, qualities that each ethnic group has and how it really makes up the whole in the church as a whole, a whole body. You know, because you have, for instance, your Jewish people, they're very keen on education. You have your um, India people, they're very keen on hospitality and, mm-hmm. and those type of things. So those, those are things that were being, and it's really true, you know, and like with the Hispanics, they're very um, family-orientated. You know, they really, they really want to bring something together. You have that, you know, everyone brings their skills to the body of Christ, and it all works together. We're one body but with many members, and it really works together very well. I prefer to be in congregations where it, there is diverse ethnic and cultural diversity because it's important that we learn about each other's culture as well as each other's ethnic, you know, our ethnic backgrounds. And so I really don't want to be in all churches predominantly African-American or predominantly Hispanic. You know, I think that diversity is really important because, as you know, when we get into heaven, it's not going to be no red, brown, green, or yellow. So we might as well get used to it while we're down here if we intend on going to heaven. Amen. Amen. Um, so we're uh, we're waiting on uh, Prophet Cole to uh, come on. I don't know if she's on yet. And um, Prophet Cole, is that you or is that Minister Denning? And uh, when she comes on, you know she's going to continue and carry uh, this conversation. Um, but um, we're just discussing um, um, just this cultural thing, this uh, issue concerning uh, uh, race, uh, discrimination, prejudices, the, the lack of fellowship amongst cultures. Uh, I established, you know, I shared my belief last night, there's only one race. In the kingdom of God, there's only one excuse expression, race. You know, when uh, our Lord Jesus Christ uh, rose from uh, the grave from the dead, he became the second Adam. And the first Adam uh, was the first man of a new creation. The second Adam became the first man of a new creation. And uh, that creation, of course, is spiritual, and uh, we all uh, are one. In Christ, there's neither male nor female. Uh, there should not be any sh- chauvinistic spirit, uh, issues where uh, there's domination, uh, men dominating uh, women, etc. As we know, that exists also in the body, and there should not be issues with the um, with uh, what's called color or cultures. Conflict of cultures, conflicts 
amongst people because of their um, color. Um, so everybody's had something to share, and uh, we certainly welcome Minister Nene to say anything or if she desires uh, while we're waiting on Prophet Cole to come on. Uh, hi, no, I have no comment at this time. <laughs> Amen. And uh, so um, uh, this is going to be our discussion tonight. Uh, like I said, when I went to Cleveland State uh, back in the, uh, um, oh God, when was it, in the 80s, I took a class called the Black, something about the black church. It was taught by a Baptist uh, pastor here in Cleveland, a professor. And, uh, you know, for a while, you know, my mind had, in my mind, I thought in terms, because I was taking the class, of a black church, but there is no such animal. There is no such thing. Uh, and, of course, uh, uh, people refer to things like that because of the culture that's um, supposedly the natural culture that's inside uh, the uh, church. But um, um, I just want to, uh, that must be prophet. Amen. Um, so this is going to be our discussion tonight. Have you, has anybody experienced any? Uh, Elder Shank just shared, amen, how he's never had uh, issue uh, with anything like this. But um, has anybody had any issues with something like this in, in the body of Christ, in church, in church living? I did have one instant where a young man in his, in his teen years, when I first first came over uh, to the church, he uh, he chest bumped me, and probably did it because he wanted to intimidate me. But it didn't. I wasn't intimidated, and uh, he. Uh, I think he was testing to see how how committed I was. But uh, he, he's now uh, a good friend, and uh, he, uh, he he's now a pastor. So, yeah, youngsters can try stuff, but they when they mature, they grow out of those types of things. Right, right, right. Anyone else? Um, uh, when I grew up, of course, I grew up in all um, African-American uh, ministry. And uh, so we learned how to do things like African-Americans do in in the denomination that we grew up in. Uh, when we saw others uh, worship or uh, uh, come to a place to um, serve the Lord, we thought it strange because uh, we compared how people, other people, uh, we compared them to how we did it. And in our mindset, we thought the way we did things was right because that's all we knew. And so a lot of times we need to have um, uh, just, uh, uh, we need to be exposed to others. Uh, we welcome Amen tonight. I think Prophet Cole on the call. Are you there now? She's logging in. 
and she's going to share some things. You can see it on uh, Facebook, and um, uh, sometimes I wonder if people uh, do things intentionally or they're just ignorant of why they do things. Um, We live in this world, but uh, we're supposed to be um, just strangers and uh, we have to allow uh, ways that we were taught, ways that we were raised, amen, to uh, be put under the blood because, amen, the Lord Jesus has um, transitioned us into, amen, a spiritual life of kingdom culture and so on and so forth. And so um, still waiting. Maybe she's not coming on. I don't. I don't know. Um, but uh, anyone else want to share uh, something? Um, Papa Cole, are you on the call? Um, Mrs. Deneen, your guest four and five tonight. Well, I, I got logged out. So <laughs> That's all right. That's why I, I put my joking. name out there to see, uh, see what I was going to come up as. No, I I think I am four and five now. <laughs> One second. Okay, she's trying to get on. She's trying to go on. I'm trying to help her saint. So um, uh, please uh, just be patient here. Um, I think this may be an interesting uh, subject, and it's going to be dealt with. As I was sharing, uh, Mr. Deneen, um, Pastor Melinda uh, said the Lord told me today that the Lord told her to have a camp meeting to uh, bring about unity in the region. And she asked me to be a speaker, and um, she wanted uh, a mixture of male and female and different cultures to come and speak. So this may be very um, very interesting uh, gathering, and this is going to be in July. Uh, okay. But, um, Prophet Cole, you, we have you, don't we? Yeah, I'm here. God bless you. How okay. are you this evening? I'm good. How are you? Fine. Your 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 friend and uh, your younger brother, amen, got you on very late. I'm talking about me. <laughs> it's mine. And so um, the microphone is yours. We have uh, a few folks on the call. Um, Oh, no, we were just um, talking about a post that I had uh, put up on Facebook um, that just really had to do with some of the, uh, I don't even want to say undercover, but for lack of a better word, undercover racism that um, happens in the body of Christ. Um, We have individuals who, you know, put posts up or are very involved in in different things, but when it comes to um, racial issues, they take a very, uh, an attitude that is not Christ-like when it comes to it, let's put it that way. They um, make comments, they, and say little things, and, you know, they're always, coming across against 
you know, anything that has to do with the African-American community or any type of um, minority uh, minority sense out there. And they just have this, you know, we you need to pull yourself up by the bootstrap. And I think they're forgetting um, how to take care of other people, you know, the the poor and different things like that. Their attitude and their and this their whole mentality about um, some of the less fortunate or, like I said, the minorities. Their attitudes is just it's not reflecting Christ. And so to me, it was just really ironic that the same people who can jump up and down and and pray for Israel won't pray for the situation with people of color um, here. They don't go outside of their their four walls or go outside of their comfort zone um, to be concerned about anyone else, but they always have something to say um, as far as, you know, we should be more compassionate towards, you know, um, people in certain countries or we should be more compassionate towards, you know, the people of Israel. And I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for Israel. The Bible talks about praying for Israel. We absolutely should pray for Israel. We should pray for anybody who needs salvation, period, point blank. But when that's your focus, but you don't even pay attention to the poor and the needy or the less fortunate or the atrocities that's happening in some of the local communities, it's just mind-boggling to me how you can rectify this back um, rectify this to yourself as a Christian who is supposed to be um, focusing on loving others and, you know, putting down whatever, you know, whatever the enemy has in store. But instead of looking at those things and saying, hey, that's not of God, they look at those things and try to justify it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that was one of the reasons why we put the, you know, that I put the post up. But I think it's getting to the point that God is really uncovering a lot of this hidden racism. You know, when when I see things like um, pastors are, uh, you know, liked by the African-American, you know, Caucasian pastors are liked by the African-American uh, church people because they sound black. And, and this is something that they do because when you, when you see them in the midst of their Caucasian counterparts, they don't talk a certain way. You know, it's like they're speaking the Queen's English. But when they get in the midst of African Americans, you know, honey child and baby girl and boo, and it's like, wait a minute, is that what you think that all of us talk like? And instead of us saying, hey, that's not acceptable, we embrace that. We accept that, and we let them shove that down our throat, and then they think that this is acceptable because they're accepted by us because they speak our language. Well, that's not the language of every African-American person, and it definitely doesn't represent me. Yes. 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 So that was just some of the things I'm that – you know, God had put on my heart <laughs> um, because it's foolishness and it's, it's, it just shows some immaturity, you know, in the hearts of the believer. And um, it's something that we're, you know, that we're going to have to address. This thing is not going to go away um, overnight. And I think when the church starts standing up, well, one of the, you know, one of the issues, period, and I, I've, I've said this for um, quite some time, is that 
you know, the African-American community is looking for someone to be their voice. And so we get the activists who have all these different backgrounds and they have all these different views. But I think if we really pay attention to, you know, the 60s and the 70s, whether, you know, you like Malcolm X or not because, you know, his his religious background, uh, but the voice of the African-American community came from, you know, at that particular time, people like Martin Luther King and, and Malcolm X, it came out of religious organizations. So now, whether they be good or bad, but they came out of religious organizations. And so now I find it strange that the apostolic and prophetic church has nothing to say as it relates to what's going on in our community. We're still inside of the four walls telling somebody they're going to get married. <laughs> Or they're going to get a car, and while while that's awesome, and if that's what God says to tell them, by all means tell them. But at what point are we going to turn our faces towards the gate and start decreeing and declaring some things in the political arena? You know, we still tell our children, you know, separation of the church and the state. You know, don't have anything to do with politics and different. But then we get mad. Well, we have all these corrupt politicians in office. Well, guess what? You trained your children, your future generation, to stay out of the political arena. Right. How did you think these people were going to get the righteous people were going to get in office? If you tell your kids, you you better stay away from politics, that's not of God. Really? Because in the Bible, kings and prophets, you know, they did all kinds of political stuff. And they were saved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I just share this, that uh, when Martin Luther King uh, started out, the uh, mainline religious uh, structure did not accept him. Uh, Why? They didn't accept him. Of course, they certainly accepted what uh, his results were. But in the beginning, they they were hands-off, and like you say, they were very silent. Right. Right, and it's it's something that we're we're gonna have to just we're gonna have to come out of the mentality of the four walls and really pay attention because we keep saying people in the world don't want church. They don't want church in the aspect of you know um, of what they're seeing. But instead of us setting standards, which we were always called to set standards and principles. Instead of us walking in the principles of God and making that our standard, we easily conform. We're so easily to conform to the world standards, but never show what our principles are. And so you don't really have, you know, people speaking up because you have, unfortunately, we have, okay, if you're African-American, you're supposed to be a Democrat. This right. is how some people believe. And if you are Caucasian, you're supposed to be a Republican because the Republican is for the right, they're conservative, this, that, and the other, so on and so on and so, so forth. And the truth of it is we're supposed to be kingdom. We're supposed to make kingdom decisions because every Democrat is not right and every Republican is not right. And well, every Democrat I, is – go ahead. Can I, can I just insert this? And being mm-hmm. kingdom culture – um, we, we ask the Holy Spirit, we ask God, amen, to give us direction 
uh, about everything else, but when it comes to voting, we are tunneled vision. Right. We don't ask the Lord, we don't ask the Holy Spirit, which candidate should we choose, should we uh, vote for? Because, and you're exactly right, we're very blind in how we vote. Um, forgive me for interrupting you. No, you're perfectly fine. Um, I know I went to the, um, and this was a couple of years ago, um, and I went to the voting, um, the voting site, and I asked for, I don't know, I, I was asking for a ballot, and this lady just automatically handed me this thing with all these Democrats on it. I was like, wait, I don't no, no, I don't want that. And she's like, what? And I was like, do you have one? I just want to know the people's names. I know where I've got it, but I need to see everybody's name. Because I didn't want to just vote straight Democrat. I didn't want to vote just straight Republican. You know, there's some people that got me and say, hey, that person over there, you know, that nobody really knows is the person that I actually, you know. But we don't pay attention to that type of stuff. We just, like you said, we get tunnel vision. Um, and there are some things I don't think people really understand this because we get so focused on doing things one way, we don't really pay attention to a lot. But by me being a business owner, there are kingdom decisions that I have to make because I have to sometimes make decisions for the greater, what I would say the greater good or the kingdom that may not be what most business people would say is the best interest for your business. I'll give you a prime example. A couple of years ago, um, they brought out uh, the, the thing about unions. And everybody was like, sign up for a union, sign up for a union, keep the unions going, keep the unions strong. And so we even had, you know, situations in the church where people were talking about the union, the union, the union. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm a business owner. I don't want a union. So people listen to me like, <laughs> And I'm thinking to myself, because as a business owner, unions are not always the best thing that you want. Right. Because you have to look at that. And so when I took it to God, God said, no, you're going to vote for that instead of voting against that. It may not be good to you, but for the greater good, everybody's not going to run their business kingdom-wise. So you have to think about people outside of your stuff and what's the better decision for the kingdom to advance. And so when I put it in that perspective, then I could agree with him. But there are some times where when you look at running your own business, everybody else may be saying, yeah, we're supposed to do this and we're supposed to do this. But for the person who is running a business, that may not be the best decision as it relates to you in the natural that you would make for your business. But spiritually, God may say, no, you need to do that. So if I had never gone to God and said, you know, God, I hear what people are saying. I hear the pros. I hear the cons. I've seen when unions have worked wonderful and really made management stop doing something that they were doing that was totally wrong, and I have seen where unions have stepped in and kept an awful employee employed for a very long time that nobody could get rid of because of the union. So I've seen that thing work both ways. But when I laid it out before God, it made me say, okay, I need to make kingdom decisions. And I think the reason that I'm bringing up kingdom decisions is because even if you may have some um, partiality to, you know, what colors you do like, what races you do like, and what races you don't like, you better go to God 
and ask him, what does he say? Because a lot of this stuff can be cut down. If people stop thinking about what their mama trained them, what their daddy said to them, what they've seen in their family all their lives, because when you go to God's word, you're not going to see that. You're not yeah. going to see him operating in, in racism. You're not going to see him trying to, all he, you know, all Jesus did was talk about the poor, the poor and, you know, the poor and, and the widow and taking care of the orphan and looking at people who are less fortunate. And so how I don't understand how, you know, certain um, political parties can get in place and say, oh, no, let's forget about the poor, let's forget about the widow, let's forget about the orphan, when the Bible, the Bible talks about taking care of those, that particular type of people. So I don't even get it how we, we still have to fight so hard to, you know, keep um, things in place for the seniors and keep things in place for the disabled. I mean, seriously, we still have to fight to get funds for the disabled population. That just blows my mind. But then the same people who will vote against that will come back and say, oh, that's so sad, the condition that they're living in. Well, your vote will put them there. Right. So we have got to get to the place where we really start in every aspect. It can't we can't pick and choose anymore what parts of our life is gonna be kingdom and what part we're gonna do what we've been trained or raised to do. Big Mama Nim doesn't always have the best advice, you know. <laughs> um so you can't follow Big Mama Nim advice. You know, you can't find uh, you know, follow Meemaw and all of them and Uncle Redneck, whoever, people that trained you to be like this, you can't follow that ideology because you're sitting in a nice house and you have all your needs met and you only have a bump in the road struggle every now and then, which makes you look down at everybody else. You can't do that. Yes. And say you love God. For real, for real, as the young people say. Now, for real, for real, you can't. You can try to rectify it in your mind, but, you know, it's it's a lot of this stuff. And I who? let me help people out with this one. Just because you got two friends that's black does not mean you're not a racist. That, that doesn't mean you're not a racist because you got two friends that's black. If I see that on one more post, well, my best friend is black. <laughs> If you see if you see that again, Prophet Cole, you're gonna you're going to lift your hands up and give God praise because He's still worthy. <laughs> because He's yet still worthy. Because you know what? Can I? I'll, I'll make a proclamation. I'll make a decree, and this is not even a prophetic one. You're going to see it. Yeah, you 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 are. It's, it's no, I can speak from experience because my best friend is black. Really? <laughs> that makes you, that makes it okay because you've got one friend who is black. And then they just like, no, no. See, I, no, because see, my friend is nothing like that. You met your friend while you lived in the suburbs. So your friend may have never been exposed to that type of life. You know what I mean? People like me who grew up in the project, who watched their parents um, scratch and fight 
to do the best that she could to try to get us away from that environment when drugs took over that environment. And so she did what she could do um, that was within her, you know, within her means of what she was making. But I watched my mother work two or three jobs, you know what I mean, to try to put us somewhere. The best she could do was over, you know, what, what she could afford, um, was over an 105 because her big thing was I want my kids to live in a house. I yeah. want them to live in a house. And to her, that was as far as, you know, she could take us. But her thing was always driving us out to other neighborhoods and saying, you don't have to come this far. You can come out this far. You can live wherever you want to. You can live in and it's always putting that in us just because you grow up in an environment doesn't mean that environment has to grow up in you. Right. So that was her mentality of you all will sit at the table. You will learn how to use the dinner fork and salad fork. <laughs> you will have etiquette and you will have class. And so those were the different things that she tried to do to give us on a different level. But everybody doesn't have that. And so um, even with my son who has, you know, watched us move from place, you know, place to place and live in different areas where, you know, some um, these are not your low, you know, low income areas or different things like that. They're middle class, you know, middle class, upper class areas. Um, even with him, I have to, you know, still talk to him and say, you know, you can't look at people a certain way because they don't have what you have. You have to understand everybody's situation and and to make him more open to that. So my son has friends who are, you know, they run a wide gamut. It's, when I look at his his spectrum of friends, it, it really is. It looks like that United Faces of Benetton. I mean, he's got every nationality, every every um, income background because his thing is there's God's people. I love them. They want to be friends. You know, God tells me to be friends, and, and he sees his friends as assignments. So um, when their time is up and, and everything else, he knows how to let them go and whatever have you. But he walks in wisdom as far as, you know, kingdom mindset, and he doesn't run around and see colors, you know, and he doesn't tolerate it amongst his friends. If they make inappropriate comments, they won't be in his circle long because he just doesn't. But that takes a training. Um, it takes a training. It really does. Does anybody have any comments, by the way? No. Questions? Concern. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, can I can I say this? Because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm about to write it on Facebook. As you talked, I thought of Abram. You, we were talking about um, Big Mama, or you know, uh, uh, allowing the home turf, uh, how you were mm-hmm. raised, to still affect you after you get saved. God told mm-hmm. Abram to leave his father's house. So mm. he had, and he had he had his father's house represented uh, his culture, his influence mm. that was, and uh, it was a few years for that influence to get out of him, uh, so that he could fully come into the uh, uh, kingdom culture, into the king's house. I'm about to write this on Facebook, but uh, while you were talking about that, I, I you know my mind went there, and I think this is what you're talking about. What you've written about on Facebook, I I believe, personally believe, is that uh, uh, people who are redeemed uh, still have the uh, their uh, culture influence uh, 
in their in their mentality. And, uh, you know, that's why the Lord said, you know, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So we have to be like Abram, like God told Abram. We have to leave our father's house. It's it's not just physical. It's it's uh, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, so that we can fully come into uh, the kingdom culture that you're talking about. Right. 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 Um, and I, I think that's, the, you know, people have a hard time shifting. I don't know if it's, you know, if it's uncomfortable. Um, no, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. When whenever you have to learn anything about anybody else's culture, um, I even watch in uh, in my work uh, work environment. <laughs> this is going to sound really odd, but I watch the African Americans in my uh, work environment. We have learned because it, it's something that we grow up around it. Cultural shifts all the time. So when we have to learn something about a different person's culture, it doesn't. Let's put it this way: we don't have to do a lot of diversity training. Diversity training. A lot of times, I watch my Caucasian counterparts struggle and wrapping their mind around. And I'm thinking to myself, what? planet do you live on? Because some of their comments is like, really? I don't know. I mean, why was anybody just, oh, they should just, and you're thinking to yourself like, in in what Hallmark movie did you get that from? Because that doesn't happen um, in real life. This is not a fairy tale. And some of them really have this, you know, Disney type mentality that's just like, that's Nope, that's not that's not real. That's not gonna no. And so sometimes even the way they want us to approach clients is really not realistic because they have this ideology, like you said, they still are in their father's house mentally wise. They still have that influence mentally wise that this is how it's supposed to be and this is what I was taught. And and I'm just gonna keep doing this until it looks that way. And it's like, no, that's not. Mm-mm. Nope, that's not. That's not how it works. And so I think sometimes getting people to um, come out of their own personal frame of thinking. And everybody has their their perception limitations. But what we always have to do is we have to give over the our intellect, the reason, the the why we think the way we think. We have to give our intellect. As you know, we, we talk about mind, will, and emotion. A part of your soul is the why you think the way you think. And so as we give that over to God and God starts to deal with us in our soulless realm to make our, you know, and, and get our spirit man strong, we have to tell, you know, if we got some hang-ups or some issues or different things like that, we have to be honest with God about that stuff and just say, okay, I don't understand that. I don't understand that culture. I don't understand that. I don't understand. God wants us to walk in love, and I don't know how we feasibly think we're walking in love and we are still condoning. You know, some of the comments from people that I just see on Facebook sometimes is like, are you serious? Did you watch the same video I just watched? It's like, well, they should have just did what the police officer said. Really? That's what they did. Well, you know, maybe it was the time. I mean, they always go to that, and they don't. I don't even think they see anything 
wrong with it. You know, they make references to stuff, um, and they don't even think they don't even think anything is wrong with it, and they and don't even know. And it's not that every African American is running around with their feelings on their shoulders, um, always on the offensive. Because half the time, I don't. Um, I look at kingdom culture. My mind is fixed on kingdom culture, so and that's where it was really odd for me to put up a post even to deal with race because I usually don't get into racial posting. I just, you know, stay with whatever God has said as, as it relates to the kingdom. But that last one that was just going in on something, and I was like, that's it like that that's just that's just done because the same people who will come and ask you to speak on their ministry platform are the same people that really don't want don't you know we can do this here, but don't come live in my neighborhood you know <laughs> don't don't come anywhere near me like i this is an environment church is an environment I can control I can control what you do and how long you stay here but as far as you, like, staying in my environment, no, 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 no. Now, you go back down to the hood somewhere. Thanks for the wonderful town because we shouted and all of this other kind of stuff, but it, it gets somewhere, you know, it gets somewhere different. Go ahead, Apostle uh, Griffin. Yeah, I just want to uh, make a comment. You know, while you're talking, I'm thinking that, you know, this is not new, what we're discussing, because even in the book of Acts, I think uh, uh, Peter had an issue. And I think Apostle Paul confronted him about it. Oh, um, yeah. And so um, this is happened then, it's happening now, and it will continue to happen until the Lord takes his church out. But uh, like you say, we need to, um, the ministry, the present ministry of today, we and I, that includes me, we need to speak up wherever we can. And so I thank God for, you know, the platform. Uh, I was sharing uh, that Pastor Melinda is going to have a uh, gathering in July concerning unity. And so, you know, um, and I, she asked me if we want a speaker. So, you know, if, if God allows me, I want to take the opportunity, you know, to reach out and uh, uh, bridge, uh, send a bridge, lay a bridge out so we can all come together and, and be on it. And uh, because we're God wants unity and He wants us to uh, know each other in the spirit. And Paul made that statement. He he didn't want to know any man in the flesh. And that's you know we have to know each other in the in the spiritual realm. And we're still looking on the outside at, at uh, people's hair and, and color and so on and so forth. I'm sorry you're talking so long. No, no, no. You 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 make absolute sense. Um and we do have to get to the point, you know, that that we're being proactive about coming together, um coming together and, and really you know, operating you know, operating as as one and that is so true about Peter and Paul because it was um Peter was one way um, when he was with the Jews, and he reacted a certain way to the Gentiles when he would be around other Jews. But, you know, he would be one way. In other words, 
he was, as we were saying today, he was being kind of phony. So when he was with the Gentiles, he was one one way. When he was with the Jews, he was another way towards the Gentiles. And so Paul comes in and was like, all right, that's enough of that, and deals with it. Um, and basically, you know, let, let Peter know, you know, hey, what you're doing is not cool. And so I think sometimes, you know, we, we try to deal with stuff as much as we can behind the scenes. Uh, but it's getting to the place that this, you know, the racism that is going on is so prevalent and it's so just in your face now. You know, somebody even had the audacity to say um, on Facebook, well, it was different in the 60s and the 70s. It was what? It was different. It's, it's not like that now. I said, the same Billy Club, the same spirit behind that Billy Club in 1960, that same spirit is the same spirit behind that pistol, behind that taser, behind that Billy Club, behind them horses trampling over somebody. It's the same spirit. How are you going to say that's a different thing? And guess what? The billy club that swung and hit somebody in 1960, if you swing that billy club today, I bet you it still hurts. (laughs) So people are talking like, well, it's different now. You know, it's just, it's different because, you know, you got affirmative action and all this other kind of stuff. And it's like, people are like, well, affirmative action should, you know, go away because it should just be fair playing ground. That would be wonderful if the playing ground was fair. You know, it's certain things that's like these things are in place because we do have all this undercover stuff. I remember my grandmother told me something, and this wasn't big mom advice. I actually had to interview her for um, something, uh, a project I had in black history. And I asked my grandmother, I said, you know, just for my own personal, um, my own personal knowledge, I said, you know, grandma, what is it uh, – <laughs> Uh, what was it, was it worse down south than it is up here? I know it had to be worse down south because, of, you know, the lynchings and all this other kind of stuff. And my grandmother just waited for me to finish this whole, you know, speech that I had on why it was worse down south because boom, 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 boom. And she let me finish and she said, honey, look, it was worse up here than it was down south. And I was like, what? And she said, look. You knew where to stay out of down south. You knew where to go, where not to go, right. all this other right. kind of stuff. You knew where to right. You knew right. what to expect. She said, so right. you're undercover. You didn't know what to do. She said, so you think you're fine, and the next thing you know, you got something else going on. She said, so it's that undercover hidden stuff. And I, I think this is becoming um, out the way that it is is because it is time for the church to stop staying quiet on this stuff. There's no way we're going to talk about unity and then how are we going to say, well, come, you know, if the churches will all get together and pray, and I don't want to hold your hand because right. I don't like the color of your skin. I don't like your background. I don't like your history. I don't like you. So we can't do that. So I think now what's happening is a lot of times before, uh, you know, use this as this is going to sound like a crazy example, my son just recently, um, he wasn't feeling well. 
he um, actually went to a nursing home and, and caught a virus while he was um, at a nursing home praying because he was praying and laying hands on people. And um, he came back and he got sick shortly thereafter. And so I wanted to give him these meds to to stop him from being sick. And when I researched the virus, it said, let it purge itself out of the body. What? Oh, yeah. Wow. Let it come out. Let it come out of the body because the body is doing its job. It's purging it out. And so it needs to come to a head so it can come out, and then the body will start to restore itself and heal. And so I think what's happening now is all this racism that's out here that's so prevalent, so in your face, is the world is purging itself. The body, even in the body of Christ, we have to purge this stuff out so that healing can come in. So we can't keep acting like it doesn't exist. You know what I mean? We can't keep acting like, and that doesn't mean, you know, get on Facebook and be like, someone, 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 so by name is a racist. You know, that's what we're doing because that's not restoration. That's division. That's going to start a fight. But, you know, the more we speak out about it and the more we go to God in prayer and the more we work with the individuals who are trying to um, do things as it relates to unity and different things like that, you know, it, it wouldn't be bad. To, to have roundtable discussions where maybe some people just don't know. You understand what I'm saying? There are just some people uh, who, you know, Caucasian people who just don't know. They don't know about um, the plight of the African-American. Now, it's very easy to say, well, you should have learned that in school. I just had a conversation with my 16-year-old who has gone to Mayfield, South Euclid, um, Cleveland Heights is, you know, a mixed environment, and he will be going to Parma. And I asked him something about black history, and he said, oh, no, we didn't learn that in school. No clue. And I said, wow, you didn't know about the move bombing in Philadelphia? They never told you that in school? And he was like, no, but I'm going to Google it now, you know. And so it was something that I taught, but he didn't get that in school. And so we think the school system, the education system is going to teach these um, Caucasian um, brothers and sisters in Christ about racism? I don't think so. So sometimes it can be us coming to the table and just saying, you know, what do you, what do you really know about this? What do you really know? You know, I went in the military in 1991. I met a group of um, Caucasian uh, soldiers who had no clue other than what they saw on TV. Uh, in 1991, as, as blacks have been around for a long time by 1991, had no clue whatsoever about African Americans other than what they saw on Cops and other shows, other TV shows. The one girl said when we were going to town, which would be like every four or five months, we would we would go, and I'm thinking to myself, what was you on a uh, some type of horse and buggy? But she's like, we were going to town, and when they were going to town, they would see one or two blacks, and they were just always amazed. They didn't know anything about our hair. They didn't know anything about you know why we didn't wash our hair every day, and you know why some of us did, and why some of us didn't. They didn't know about this. They didn't. Know. 
I met somebody who said, my daddy told me that y'all color come off in the tub, and I said, it's so basic. We put on makeup every day so we can this is what we. But you would think that people would beyond, be beyond this. They weren't. They weren't beyond that because they were still in their father's house. They were still in the mentality of what they had been trained. And so if nobody ever stands up and says, listen, honey, you need some retraining because this is not how we all are. This is not. And there is a reason why some of them that are doing the things that they're doing, that you see on the news, why that situation is the way it is. The only way we're going to bring healing and restoration is if we do it by education. And it's not going to come from the school systems. It's going to come from the church. We have to be willing to go out of our four walls, go out of our comfort zones, and have those conversations. You know, I don't get it. All those, you know, people that are like, my my best friend is black. Your best friend who's black has never told you anything about what goes on. And you don't have to be in the midst of the plight of the African-American as far as being low-income or in the hood to tell somebody, hey, there's a reason why some of this stuff is going on. You know, we have to open up that um, that platform of education with each other because I'm going to be honest with you, that pull yourself up by your bootstrap mentality that some of them have, you, 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 you got to go out there and work for it. Um, yeah you got like six advantages before we even come on the playing field. So that doesn't necessarily work. And helping them to even understand that because to them a lot of times it is the playing field is level. Everything is equal. you got equal opportunity. you got this. You got... They don't see the barriers. They have no clue what our barriers are. And unless we tell them, and when I say tell them, I mean, Pray before you tell them this. Pray that their hearts and their minds are willing to receive what God is getting ready to say through you. Because some of them are, you know, some of them can be really, really resistant because you're about to take them out their comfort zone. And we all all know when you start taking people out their comfort zone, people get defensive (laughs) because they're uncomfortable. So you have to pray. You have to, you have to, Start doing this thing in prayer so that when you do encounter someone, you can show them. You know, I, I have um, – there were people who I remember we were at um, New Hope, and even even at our current church, which is multicultural, do you, I don't think we even realize that some of the individuals who go to our churches who are Caucasian, do you don't realize some of the flack they get from their family for following a black pastor. Yeah. And vice versa. Exactly. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So they run into some problems. They they have had some hard racial things said to them because they have African-American pastors, because they are submitting to these African-American leaders. And and they will tell them 16 churches that they can go to. Why are you following this person? Why are you this and the other? And they don't understand it because they just don't understand it. And so you have to pray for the ones that are sitting in your congregation that they're strong enough to even stay focused on what God is using you to bring into their life because they're catching it on the back end as well. 
So we have to broaden our scope. We have to come out of our circle of one sometimes, and we have to open our eyes, open our hearts, open our spirits up to hear what thus says the Lord about this situation and make sure that we are always coming from kingdom and not from political or, as you said so well, our father's house. And then we are trying to allow our, our father house standards to be our principles instead of the God-given standards that the word of God has given us. Amen. 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 So can we say amen, saints? Amen. Thank you, uh, Prophet Cole, for being uh, for real and uh, down to earth about this. Uh, <laughs> it is an issue, and um, um, I think... Uh, a lot of times we see uh, what's happening in the uh, streets in the world and it's a reflection of what's going on in the church and uh, because we have God on our side, we're supposed to bring about uh, restoration and, and healing. And I, I thank you, Prophet Prophet Cole, for being bold. And uh, that's the thing that's absent. Uh, Martin Luther King was bold and uh, even uh, Malcolm X, they were bold in uh, their conviction. And right. it did bring about change, and even though it brought about death. But when we look at the apostles in the book of Acts, what they did, they believed in their convictions, and it brought about death for them, too, concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. But I, before we close, I want to give anybody an opportunity to just comment, say something, ask a question. This is uh, Sister Denise. Uh, two comments. Uh, one, I remember in the late 70s when, when she brought up going into the military, I was in junior reserve officer's training course, and we went to Mansfield to the armory, and they broke us up in groups, and in the group it made us, you know, mix up, you know, the blacks and white. Mm-hmm. So then we were in the circle at the table, and they asked for someone to read, and no one wanted to read, black or white or whatever. And then I just said, I'll read. And after I read, you know, just like I do in church sometimes, reading whatever it was that they had us reading when it was all done. And after that session is broke, I had whites coming to, oh, you read very well. You know, they were expecting something else. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you. So, you know, thank goodness for those reading classes I had in elementary that, you know, kind of helped me. And the second thing, I like something that, that uh, Pastor Jamal Bryant said. He said that the Ku Klux Klan no longer wear sheets. They wear Brooks Brothers suits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah they it's, do. It's hidden. It is, um, you know, I, me being so young, um, when I went into the military, um, and when I got to my first base, the first sergeant, which is the liaison between um, the 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 company commander and the soldier, the actual you know just the the regular soldier um, in the in the squadron, and the first sergeant gives you you know when I went to Louisiana, he gave everybody to speak, and I remember walking out of the room and I'm going, is this legal? Like, what he just told me was so crazy, and he just let me know. He's like, I'm working on it, but I'm a racist. You know, I, I my wife brings kids over to the house, and then my daughter goes to this school, and there's all these black kids, and I'm just looking at him like, no, no, there's a camera in here. This is a joke. This is, He's not doing it. 
you know, color comes off in the tub and blah, 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 and I'm a good old boy. And I remember that bass got hit so hard because there was so much racism going on that they actually had to, because the military uh, has gone the way of, you know, they're supposed to, they're supposed to stamp out racism. And so, um, because they had a history of it so badly. And so the gentleman, him and some different uh, other commanders and different things like that all got brought up uh, um, on some type of, like, um, allegations. Well, yeah, it was allegations um, about them not promoting people and different things like that. And so even when I left, they were still under investigation, and they were talking about demoting them. And so, but it happened, it had been going on for years, but when it blew up, it just blew up. And I remember thinking, I kind of had that mentality, like, hey, racism happens, you know, boom, somebody steps in and takes care of it. And so the older I got, the wiser I got, and I just saw this thing fester on, you know, for so many years. So even in the military, people are being, you know, they're they're still being subject to that. Um, I remember going uh, to a game with my recruiter, um, they used to have to do these things, and they would have to take us out and all this other kind of stuff while they were recruiting us. And we went to a game, um, and the little girl in front of me was like, hey, daddy, it's a – and I was sitting there like – and, you know, my best friend who was very pro-black at the time was like, yeah, I'm not going to have you And I'm like, oh, my God. But you you run into those situations. Um, and it's just always amazing how people, they don't think, you know, I've gotten everything from, you know, you, you talk, you talk so white. I still haven't figured that one out yet. What, you know, you talk so white or you speak so well. That's the one that I get. You speak so well. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm thinking to myself, well, what was I supposed to come in here? I'm doing a presentation. What was I supposed to come in here and do and just start speaking broken English? And, and you know, and I'm thinking to myself, what does that even mean? And so I don't think we pay attention, you know, I don't even think people pay attention to some of the stuff that they do or they say. It just becomes so part of their culture. They just spout it off, and they don't think about it. They just Spout it off. Every black person does not eat fried chicken and watermelon. Um, I don't, if I, you know, I, I do like fried chicken, but if I have my preference of, you know, eating fried chicken or eating my husband's stuffed chicken marsala with prosciutto, I think I would eat the stuffed chicken marsala with prosciutto, which in a restaurant is called chicken salt and buco. So, Fried chicken not really on my forte of things to, you know, just jump up and run to, you know, a restaurant. I'm not going to bypass, you know, um, Arabiatas on Mayfield because I want Popeyes unless I really just want Popeyes. You know, but some people get fixated on stuff and think, oh, yeah, you know, this is what y'all doing. You know, (laughs) I'm one of the crowd if I do that. No, no. And then it becomes offensive. And so, like I said, opening up the gateway, opening up the – for discussions like this, 
will help alleviate a lot of this, I believe. Amen. Anyone else, saints? Anyone else? Well, I can make comments because we're going to close out, and we thank the Lord for um, um, Prophet Cole, amen, coming on. I've always told her uh, for a young woman, and I I say that uh, respectfully because she's younger than I am, uh, she has uh, uh, a lot of wisdom, and uh, she's bold, and uh, her prophetic... uh, uh, nature, I'll say, is very accurate, and so we greatly appreciate um, her. And I've always appreciated you, uh, woman of God, since I met you in December, and uh, you can probably tell that because you've you've had a lot of voice uh, there at EMFI. Uh, amen. You've had a lot of influence, and so I really appreciate, amen, you. And you're right, we have to have open discussions to talk about, amen, the issues. Everybody's not going to get delivered from this. And uh, what we need to also say is, in the African-American community, we have issues too. We have things we need to be delivered from uh, also. But for those, amen, that God is uh, raising up and calling forth to bring about change and deliverance, um, you know, we pray for them and we salute them and uh, we say, go ahead and do what uh, God told you to do. So anybody, this is the last time we go around the table. Anybody have anything to say? Last time. No. Thank the Lord for Prophet uh, Barry that's uh, been listening on the call. Uh, Prophet um, uh, Bahadi, do you have anything to share? Elder Shank, do you want anything to share? Uh, I was going to say no, Prophet Deneen, do you have anything you want to share? I've shared. Amen. Anyone else? I think Elder Shank was getting ready to say something. Elder Shank? No. Okay. No, I I said my piece at the beginning. Amen. Oh, I just think that it it, it was just uh, it was really a lot for us to digest tonight. It was very informative. Really appreciated it, and do hope that you know she come back where we can maybe have a little bit more dialogue. Because this is a very needed conversation, and we do uh, realize and know that, you know, we're in the times. Of, it's worse now than I think it has ever been. And so I, I think that it is a bold move, and I'm grateful for the young people that are that are standing out and, and making these bold moves. And I do believe that we will have change through their actions and through their involvement. And so I just say God bless you, and thank you very much for coming on and sharing with us. And it was very much needed. Amen. Amen. Uh, after the call, um, Elder Shank, please give me a call um, uh, once we close out. Again, uh, 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 Prophet Cole, thank you. And we'll just let you have the last words, please. And then we're going to ask Minister Deneen to pray after you have your last words. Please. Um, I'm just glad that everybody, you know, was able to... Um, was able to uh, get a chance to even comment. I, I hope this will allow people to open up dialogue um, with you know with other with other people. Uh, social media um, is a you know is a tool that people you know sometimes people use it for bad, but there are also things you know ask God to give you a word that you can post regarding the situation, and it, it's not to to um, be people or bash people, um, 
be, you know, you can ask him for a word to, to give you and make some declarations. Use your use your um, social media. If you're on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, um, if you're on Facebook, use that social media because social media goes around the world. People, you know, were sharing the posts. Well, they have hundreds and hundreds of friends that I will never meet, but they will be able to share what God said to other people um, that I may never get a chance to physically meet. So use the tools that are available. Um, make some decrees. Make some declarations. You know, pull some things down. Put it on Facebook. There are people who put up very positive posts, um, different things like that. But you don't know how far God will take what he is giving you and allow it to touch somebody else's heart. You know, I hope the the person who was putting all of that up, I pray that they read it, and I pray that it pricks them and get convicted by, you know, some of the things that they were doing so that they can turn and go to God and ask God, you know, if there's anything in me that's like this. I don't want them to go to hell. I want them to get well. So I want them to be healed so that they don't keep perpetuating this thing. They actually can bring it to an end. So use some of the tools that you have. Use it for the greater good instead of um, some of the other things that we see on, on social media. So, And have those conversations with your children. Teach your children. Train your children. Let your children know that this exists and that they're in the next generation who can stamp this thing out. It doesn't have to stay this way always. It can be different because God says it can be different. Amen? Amen. Mrs. Deneen, please, thank you all for um, uh, your time. Elder Shank, please call me. Mrs. Deneen? Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for all that has been said on this evening, Lord God. Let us take it to heart, Lord God. Let us be the change that you are calling for in this last and evil day, Lord God. Help us to break down the four walls, Lord God, that we may be as one. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, uh, Prophet Cole. Amen. amen. Thank you again, Prophet Cole. God bless you all. Amen. Love you all. Appreciate you. Amen. Until the next time, next Thursday. Amen. Everybody have a good evening. God bless you.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.